Matt Chandler just stepped down from his post as the senior pastor of the Village Church as a result of some inappropriate DMs that he shared with a member of his church. So everybody's talking about it, but I wanted to provide a redemptive take on all that's gone on at that church and perhaps even more broadly in the church. So we'll dig into the direct messages, his decision to step down, but ultimately we'll talk about what this means for the church as a whole as we continue to see big-time pastors have to step away from leadership roles. Talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Don't forget that today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. If you're looking for a new home or want to refinance your existing home, then the Kevin Blair team over at Element Home Loans can help you. Go over to kevinblairteam.com today, and when you do so, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We're going to combine faith and reason today and crush some echo chambers in the process of doing so, and we're going to crush a particularly interesting echo chamber today. Uh, it's, it's one that we often kind of step around or at least wade directly into with our guest show. Uh, but the issue of church, the mega church, and celebrity pastors, and in particular today we're going to be talking about Matt Chandler in his recent decision to step down from Village Church in Texas. Now, the reason I wanted to do this video, because to be totally honest with you, I was going to resist it and not do it at all. A lot of people are talking about it. The algorithm is eating it up on YouTube, and so people are watching this kind of thing for whatever reason, whether it's to just rubberneck and, you know, to take enjoyment at the uh, the suffering of our enemies, or it is because people are genuinely interested in the story. One way or the other, it's a lot of people are watching it. And it's almost for that reason, because I have a little bit of a rebellious nature, didn't want to do anything on this story. But because I saw people addressing this story in a way that I felt needed some some correction, but also some direct, uh, some direct, I guess, interaction, uh, I decided to to jump into the story. So I just want to be clear that I think I have something redemptive to say about this story that you don't hear other places. Uh, and I think that's important. There's a lot of Christian talking heads out there, and I try to do the best I can on this show not to fall into that trap. Um, so I do want to try to provide a redemptive take on this outside of the clickbaity kind of take that you're seeing very often all over YouTube and other places right now. So I think that there will be a broad implication that we can draw from this story that will be helpful to you and me, and even if you're not a churchgoer, maybe even help you gain some appreciation for uh, what took place here, but more importantly, uh, Christianity and the church and, and, and more broadly. But you got to get to the end of the show for that. Just, to, just hang tight. So we'll do that. Um, but also, to as a disclaimer, let me say this. Uh, I am highly critical of the modern day church. Now, you may see some past guest episodes where I have pastors who have been removed from their position of leadership or resigned from their position of leadership, and I will bring them on as guests on the show. Now, that is sometimes because genuinely, personally, behind the scenes, I think that there might be an injustice that needs to be addressed. But more importantly, it's just this. It's that I believe if we're going to make wise decisions and good decisions, that we have to do so with as much information as possible. So I want you guys to hear their story so that you can pass it at least through the smell test and say, hey, now that we've got the other side of the story, is it helpful uh, to, to get that and to helpful to us to try to draw some conclusions about that. I'll just say this. 
a lot of people right now are wondering whether or not the direct messages, the DMs from this individual that Matt Chandler was talking about are ever going to be exposed. And a lot of people think that if they would, it would be super helpful for us to understand what actually took place. And I tend to agree with that. We'll get to that more in a moment. But suffice to say, I think the more information, the more power you have to make good and wise and in this case, godly decisions. But so I am genuinely, though, outside of those uh, those interviews and those guest shows and even in those guest shows, typically a little bit critical of what's going on in the modern church simply because I love the church and I believe that uh, that we need to think critically about what we're doing, make sure that it's biblical and make sure that it fits within the paradigm of what Jesus intended the church to be. So um, so I hope you know that uh, that when stories like this come up, it isn't because I'm just rushing to defend the church or anything like that, but because I think we need to make decisions not based on emotions alone. And a lot of people are doing that on both sides, whether they're running to defend Chandler or running to bash the church. I think somewhere in the middle is the truth, and we need to and we need to be able to kind of tune into that. So that's what I hope to do with our video today. So before we go any further, I think it's important for you to hear from Matt Chandler himself. So let we're going to throw up the video where he talks about what took place and why he's stepping down. So let's jump into that. It, I know it, it just feels like, oh my gosh, what's coming? So so let me, I'm, I'm the lead pastor of this church. I plan on being the lead pastor of this church for the next 20 years. Now already, I just want to set the stage for this conversation. So what you just heard there is that Matt Chandler is temporarily stepping down. So he's not stepping down indefinitely. He has not been fired, but he's taking just a short time away from the pulpit and he will be back in his former leadership role. So that's important for what he's going to say next. So we'll keep on digging into it. Yeah. It's harder seeing you. And by the way, there's some people who are questioning uh, Chandler's sincerity here. And when I see him on stage here, it seems very contrite to me. We'll get to this more in a moment with one of his responses here, but you decide for yourself. Several months ago, um, a woman approached me um, outside here in the foyer. Um, she had some concerns for how I was DMing on Instagram with a friend of hers. Um, I... I didn't think I had done anything wrong in that. My wife knew that. Her husband knew that. Um, and, and yet there were... A All right, now I'll stop there real quick just to say this. So here's the scenario. So Matt Chandler was DMing with another female, uh, supposedly, I think, assumedly a, a person that goes to their church. Um, and he's going to get into what those conversations consisted of. But just know this. On the basis of those direct messages and the contents that were in them is the reason that he is stepping down for a period of time from his senior pastor leadership role at Village Church. Now, the mind already gets racing here, right? And you're thinking to yourself, what did those messages say? Now, we're going to have Matt's interpretation here of that, so I want you to hear that in a moment. But, but suffice to say, just at least know for now that those direct messages are the reason that he's stepping down. So what kind of direct messages are they? He'll tell us here. Um, and, and yet there were a couple of things that she said that were disorienting to me. Um, and so I immediately um, came into the room. I found Chairman of the Elder Board, Jason Swords, found Josh Patterson, other lead pastor, and said, this is what this person just told me. All right, so the point here is this, is Chandler is describing direct messages that were not sexual in nature, according to him. Now, he said his wife knew about it. 
He also says that the woman involved, her husband knew about these messages, but they were brought to his attention by a fellow church member who saw these messages and found them a little bit disturbing. Now, we're also going to hear that it was also found disturbing by uh, the leadership of Village Church. But I think it is clear, or I think it's important for us to know, at least at this moment, for clarity's sake, that what we are hearing is not that Matt committed adultery or that he was hitting some girl up on Instagram to try to figure out how to get with her or anything like that, at least according to Matt, what we have is um, is friendly text messages that went too far in terms of their friendliness. So to, to get that, you need to keep listening. So here's some more. The elders began to look into because that's what they're supposed to do, uh, because we cannot be a church where anyone uh, is above the scriptures and above the high heavenly call. Uh, into Christ Jesus. And so they looked into um, the, the conversation between me and um, this other woman, uh, and they had some concerns. Um, and those concerns were not that our messaging was romantic or sexual. It, it was that our conversations were unguarded and unwise. And because I don't ever want there to be secrets between us, the concerns were really about frequency and familiarity. We believe in brother-sister relationships here, um, and yet there was a frequency that moved past that, and there was a familiarity that played itself out in coarse and foolish joking. Okay, so that's the idea here, is that because he is the pastor of the church, and this person is a congregant or a member or uh, somebody that is not his wife, the familiarity of those messages and the frequency of those messages seem to cross a line. So again, at least as far as what we're hearing from Chandler and um, is I, being co-signed by the, the leadership of Village Church because they're allowing him to speak up here and uh, give his interpretation of those events. Um, what we're hearing is that just that these messages simply crossed a line from the perspective of a, of a leader speaking to somebody who is a subordinate. So, um, by the way, I don't want to forget to say this, but if we're immediately jumping to the conclusion that this has to do with power dynamics and the patriarchy is at it again, here's what I would just humbly say to you. Grab a Bible and get off the talking points for just a moment because simply what we're talking about here has nothing to do with power dynamics or whether or not this leader thought that he had the ability to be able to um, uh, speak freely to this underling. That's, that's not what we're dealing with here. What we're dealing with is just simply this, that this pastor was unwise in his dealings. Now, we're going to tease this out a little bit further, but suffice to say, this is the message that we're getting from from Matt and also from the church. So I want you I want to play one last part of this so that you can hear the decision making that went down by the elders of Village Church. It's unbefitting uh, of someone in my position as a lead pastor and as an elder. I'm held to a higher standard and fell short of that higher standard. Um, so so the elders have decided, and I think they're right that my inability to see what I was in uh, probably has some revealing some unhealth in me. And I don't know if that's tied to the pace I run or uh, the difficulty of the last six, seven years, but I agree with them. Um, and so in their grace to me and my family, um, they've decided, and again, I think they're right, 
um, to put me on a leave of absence, um, uh, starting uh, immediately from preaching and teaching at um, the village church. If I'm on, I'm just really embarrassed. Feel stupid. Thank you. Feel dumb. Feel like I'm embarrassing my wife and kids. All right, now we'll stop right there. And so I just want to say this. So this is what the leadership of the church has decided to do. They're not asking him to step down indefinitely. They're asking him to step away for just a little while so that he can regain some of the clarity that he needs to be able to remember where certain boundaries are so that he will not cross those lines. And again, the boundaries are coarse. Uh, jesting and joking, but not necessarily sexually inappropriate advances toward a woman that is not his wife. So that's very, very important because the clickbait side of this is that the internet has been exploding with accusations of adultery here. And unless you want to be an incredibly cynical person um, and grab your crystal ball and suppose that you know things that nobody else knows except for the people that are intimately involved in these details, then I think it's just fair to say that we have to at least put what uh, Matt is saying in the context of saying it being co-signed by the elders of this church and suggest that uh, if we don't take at face value what he's saying, then, uh, then everybody involved here is absolutely lying except for the woman that got the, the DMs and her family, but everybody else is colluding to, to lie with Matt Chandler. So I think, again, it's awfully cynical to suggest that, that that's what took place. We all know that he was trying to get her digits. He was trying to take it too far and yada, yada, yada. So like, we don't know that information. It's pure conjecture for you to jump to that conclusion. Um, so as far as we know, they were not sexual in nature. They were just inappropriate for a pastor and a congregant. Now, the other thing I would say is that there's been a lot of chitter-chatter on Twitter about the uh, contriteness and the arrogance of, of Chandler as he gave this uh, presentation. But all I can say to you is that as, as I look at this, I come away with a totally different understanding. Maybe it's because I've been in leadership before, and I know how difficult it must be to perhaps say these kind of things to a room full of people whom you've pastored. I don't envy him to have to do this. Now, did he bring it upon himself? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but but the point is, is that he seems contrite. He seems broken over the fact that he was not able to recognize uh, the the lines that he was crossing in this relationship and in these messages. And so now the question remains, what do we make of the fact that Chandler had to step down from his church in the wake of this in this scandal? And so the first thing I would just tell you is this, is that the one thing that I think we can bring from what we just heard from Chandler is this, that the church is really a great institution when you think about it. Now, before you blow me up down in the comments section, I know a lot of you probably have butthurt in the past because of things that took place at church, but please hear me out on this. What we just saw, if we take it at face value, and I've tried to do the best that I can to give you the reason for why I think we should, at least at this point, until more information is given, that the accountability that we see on display at Village Church is at least admirable. Let me ask you a question. Where else does this happen? 
Where else do you see an institution that holds integrity with such high regard that when a pastor comes along and is foolishly joking with another woman in an inappropriate fashion, that organization immediately jumps to and they do something about it and they remove the leader from leadership for a period of time. This shows that not only accountability seems to be working at, uh, at Village Church, but it also shows this, that the church is an institution that cares about integrity uniquely in society. I mean, for crying out loud, guys, Bill Gates goes around banging subordinates at Microsoft while he's married, and then he goes out into the third world and sterilizes people, but because he says climate change every other sentence, we, we praise him as a hero in the press and in other places. Like, we don't hold these people to account. And I hear this stuff all the time. When we finally talk about these, these, these kind of things going on in corporate settings and the diversity, equity, and inclusion of trying to make diversity so big and caring about how many gay people you employ instead of actually doing a good job. And then when Christians come along and say, hey, this is not what character looks like. You guys are all so worried about superficial external things that you're not actually worried about real character, then then wait for the Twitter mob to jump on us and say, well, I thought you guys were all about forgiveness, and I thought you guys were about Jesus and grace and him being loving to other people. Why all of a sudden being so judgmental? Well, I think it's really interesting. The moment a pastor does anything like this, uh, just wait. Twitter will jump to, just like you expect them to do, to jump on board and bash this guy without recognizing a very simple fact that it is the church that is held to a, a position of accountability in the culture like no other institution. And this is an implicit acknowledgement in the conversation that you see on Twitter and in other places right now who are outraged by what took place with Matt Chandler. And so I'm okay with people questioning and I'm okay with people um, having some, some doubts about Chandler's um, sincerity and all of that stuff. I think that's all things that you don't really know. So I think it's a little bit foolish to waste a lot of time doing that. I think what we can say beyond a shadow of a doubt is the church is still uniquely a place of integrity and a, uniquely a place that cares about morality in a society that is deeply eroding constantly. But it didn't stop people from Twitter from saying things like this. I know this, megachurch pastors like Matt Chandler, president of Acts 29, don't have to make public announcements to take leaves of absence for just foolish joking. That doesn't cross more serious boundaries. They spent a lot of time crafting this language. Now, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But I think what our buddy here in uh, WatchKeep at WatchKeep is saying is exactly what I was trying to say before, is that she finds, she's incredulous about it, but I'm, all, but I'm affirming about it. She's incredulous about the fact that a church would actually hold their pastor to such a high standard that foolish joking becomes a problem. But it is, after all, a biblical uh, imperative that they're drawing their, their critique of Chandler from. Um, so she's incredulous. She cannot believe that a church would make a pastor sit down because of foolish joking. And I'm saying this, if we take the story at face value, at least at this point, which you have no other evidence to suggest otherwise, it's just what we're seeing here is an implicit acknowledgement of the integrity that church as an institution has writ large. Not, not, not all churches, not all pastors, but the church as an institution is still hanging on to integrity while the rest of the world doesn't care. 
And by the way, if we're so upset about what just took place at Matt Chandler's church, may I say something to those of you who have quickly replaced your syringes when COVID-19 was uh, all of the rage with Ukraine flags. Let me just tell you that there's still some big issues going on in the world that should perhaps occupy your attention outside of picking up stones to throw at Matt Chandler. Um, you know, issues bigger than whether or not women should be pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, I'm thinking about issues like this, that a Nigerian Christian woman was just murdered while she was cleaning her church by Muslims. And then how about this, that a Christian medical nonprofit is having to sue the state of Michigan over the fact that they are forcing doctors to prescribe cross-sex hormones. And how about this? The Wall Street Journal just released an opinion piece where it showed that there were uh, that there were studies that were fabricated by the American Academy of Pediatrics to show that the best treatment for teenagers is cross-sex hormones rather than watchful waiting or counseling or to try to help people address gender dysphoria because the, the study released showed that there was no real mass formation psychosis happening within groups of teenagers that caused them to want to become trans, even though 9% and Gen Z of children are now coming out as transgender. Um, so this study revealed that that was all a crock and that there was no findings for that. Well, little did we know that that study was completely fabricated and based upon zero evidence whatsoever. So it was actually activism posing as science rather than actual science. Now, who would have believed that coming from the transgender community? So these things are going on, and I hope we can find at least a little bit of outrage to spare uh, to to put, the, put it where it actually belongs. Now, I say that to praise the church as an institution, that, that Christianity, with all of its foibles, past, present, and future, still is remarkably an institution that cares about integrity. But I also don't want to conveniently gloss over something that is a little bit different here and something that seems to be a reoccurring trend. So what's the difference? Well, the difference here is this, is that this is Matt Chandler. And Matt Chandler has been a pillar of biblical fidelity throughout his ministry career. He would, I think, safely be the kind of person who we would look at and we would say, boy, this will never happen to somebody like Matt Chandler. And for, <laughs> I, I do have to tell you, as I was thinking about this, I thought to myself, you know, we probably thought nine times out of ten it would be Stephen Furtick. And for the life of me, the guy seems to be rather scandalous. Uh, while here we have Matt Chandle embroiled in one. So it, it is something that we definitely didn't see coming, I think, and it's a surprise to all of us. And I think that's why people are alarmed by this. At least I hope that's why, and they're not just looking for an opportunity to pounce. Um, but it does say something a little bit different when somebody like Chandler falls victim to this kind of behavior. And so I don't want to gloss over also the trends that we've seen most recently with the pastoral fallings of... Carl Lentz, Brian Houston, and um, what's that guy's name in South Carolina? John Gray, uh, and, and others like him. That there does seem to be this reoccurring trend that we can say, well, all people are broken and they lead institutions, therefore all institutions are going to be broken. I think that's correct, but it also may be a little bit too convenient. When we see these reoccurring trends, we need to focus on them. So this is where perhaps... Um, a, a little bit of an admonishment comes in. So I think we saw accountability function, but we also need to recognize that accountability almost always in churches, um, especially in, in our modern context, in the modern megachurch, 
it functions as prescriptions rather than preventative. So it's like modern day medicine, essentially. So we're not trying to educate people and try to help them live healthy lifestyles in the medical field. What we're doing is people are getting sick and then they come into the doctor's office and then they get prescribed a medicine to help them with the sickness that they have already rather than trying to practice preventative medicine, which would keep them healthy in the first place. And accountability here in this Matt Chandler situation seems to be functioning the same way. Accountability is prescriptive once the, the, the thing has been committed, and so now the, here's the punishment to discipline the behavior. And ultimately, we have to ask the question then, what will prevent these things from happening in the future? And I think this is at least one of the things that we need to start taking more seriously if we are going to be as healthy a church as we need to be, is that we need to come to the realization that church and celebrity culture don't really go that well together. And, and by celebrity culture, I mean this, fame and fortune within the context of spirituality are a poisonous combination. And whenever we see these things combining, we need pastors to fight against them at all cost. So I'm talking about this. I'm talking about we need pastors who have enough integrity to say our church is more like a shopping mall than it is a community. And therefore, we need to start doing something about that. And we need to not try to figure out how to make our church as big as possible. And maybe we need pastors who are willing to be bold enough to say, you know what, I'm not going to sign that book deal because I'm not going to fleece my sheep and use this platform and this big church that I've built as an opportunity to push books. And maybe we need pastors who would say, I'm going to stay off social media altogether because I am not a celebrity. And every vestige of celebrity culture that's creeping itself up into my church, I'm going to radically resist those things at all costs. That's what we need if we're actually going to avoid things like what happened with Chandler in the future. So at the end of the day, here's what I would say. The church comes out at least for now in this situation, and this church in particular, as an institution who still cares about integrity. And the fact that we're even still having these conversations and saying, hey, the church is held to a high standard, we are right to think so, and a higher standard than society, but I also hope we recognize that. The reason we hold the church to a higher standard is because it is a higher institution and one that is desperately needed, especially the more secular our society is getting. But then also, too, I would say that we also need to pay attention to celebrity culture and do what we can to try to resist that at all costs. And we need to start supporting pastors who do that kind of thing. I'm glad to say that my pastor is a person who goes out of his way to avoid celebrity culture at all costs. And we have a relatively large church in, in the city where we dwell. Now, ultimately, I don't know that this will answer all the questions that we have, and more information will have to come out. But I know it does leave us with some questions. What's going to happen to Matt Chandler? Will he really be back at the Village Church? What's going to happen to Matt Chandler's marriage? What does Lauren Chandler have to say about these things? Are we ever going to see the DMs? Will the person who was on the receiving end of these DMs come out of the woodwork and will we have some big expose? The one thing I can say is this, is that if there's more to these DMs than what Matt Chandler suggested and what all of the elders at the Village Church suggested, then you can rest assured that we will hear it because some reporter, God forbid it be somebody like Julie Royce, but some reporter is going to come along and uh, get this person to talk more than likely and offer them a large sum of money to do so. And if there's more to it than that, more than likely we will hear something about it. Um, so we'll keep on following the story as opportunity provides itself and as information comes along. But for now, I would just say this. 
that at the end of the day, you don't have to think like I think, but you do have to think for yourself. Push away the outrage, push away the disappointment, and try to collect as much information as we possibly can about these things, not for the sake of even crucifying Matt Chandler publicly, but for the sake of thinking, for the sake of questioning yourself, what does this mean about the church? Do I have a false perception of what church actually is? Isn't it at least ironic that in, in a secular society, there is an institution that still cares so much about being moral when we see CEOs and leaders of, of all these other organizations doing whatever they want to and getting away with it and still being celebrated as heroes in the culture. And suffice to say, I think there's a lot of questions that we could begin answering now that have nothing to do with witch trials for Matt Chandler. And I think they would be way more healthy for us to kind of engage in some of those questions so that we can answer them for ourselves. And again, you don't have to think like me. But you do have to think for yourself about these things. And at the end of the day, I hope you come away with a greater appreciation of church and at least some helpful suggestions for what would, what would really make a difference in the future so that the people who are involved in these things across the board, whether it be that woman, whether it be the pastor, or whether it be the congregation, can feel that they are going to a church that cares about the things that really matter. And at the end of the day, we'll be a better society for it. And I hope even those who are critics of what just took place can realize that the church has a fundamentally important place in society and it better not lose its lose its hold. All right, guys, I'd love to know what you think. If this video was helpful to you, please comment down below in the comment section. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.